LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. My Woo! name is Daniel M. And there's Todd Adkins. I can wait. <laughs> and our in-house research counsel, the Grand Puba of Research, Guru. Executive Director of LifeWay Research, Scott McConnell. Hey, hey. Is that like the, the That's crowd? That's the crowd going yeah. wild right there. Clamoring to get in the door. That's right. Awesome. Now, if you have been listening for the last little while, we have uh, had regular research segments with Scott McConnell. We've done an episode on the Bible, on VBS research, on the unchurched. And now today we're going to be talking about how you should state. cook your Christmas turkey. Should you smoke it, bake it, fry it, or some other form of or maybe it's how you cooked it because we're in the new year now. Oh, we are. Yeah. Well, at the time of the podcast, we're it's even off. late for leftovers. <laughs> how did you do that? Yes. We're going to find all that you, out today. If you wanted a hashtag money hack, then you needed to have bought. I mean, my neighbor literally bought a dozen turkeys, a dozen frozen turkeys what? and stuck it in his deep freeze because they are so cheap around the holidays. I've had more turkey than the two of you combined <laughs> in my life. I Is that what you guys do? That? I grew up having you a had lot that of dad. Turkey. Really? Okay. You had I, that dad. I, I I lived at a missionary sending headquarters. Okay. Outside of Philadelphia, and because they had a lot of meals together, they you know they looked for good um, deals. Good deals on food, but actually, a turkey farmer used to give wow. turkeys oh, wow. like fifty at a time. Oh my goodness! So we would have turkey divan, turkey <laughs> a la king. Turkey, you name it. We so do you not turkey. like having turkey so during holidays? I can skip turkey anytime. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. That is brutal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, today we're going to be talking about the state of theology, though. You can tell Todd and I are not very sympathetic because we just... <laughs> You're ready for more. <laughs> yeah. We're like, okay. Bring it on. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> as long as it's not dry, I'm good to go. Anytime. Country fried turkey, as Cracker Barrel did this year. Oh, it's so good. There you so go. So good. All right. Well, today, theology. Yeah, state of theology. So once again, if you want to download this research that we're talking about, as well as all the other ones that we have talked about in the past, make sure to text the word research to the number 888811. So that's 888-111. And then you'll be able to get links to download all of this. Uh, gener- you know, thanks to Lifeway Research. But let's get into the first question. What is the state of theology in America? So kind of country fried theology here in the United States. <laughs> you um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a mix of things. It's it, it's a bit of a smorgasbord where th- there are some things where where the typical American, six, seven out of 10 Americans are believing biblical truth. Uh, so w- one of the highest ones is seven out of 10 Americans believing there's one true God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Seven out of 10? Seven no. out of 10 Americans. Really? Believe in the Trinity even without with us not using the word. Okay, so they didn't they don't like you didn't ask them do you believe in, do the, you trinity? Believe in the trinity? No. It's we, more We God spelled the, it out. Wow. God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God Seven the Holy Spirit. 7 out of 10. Wow. And we we also see Are you it. sure this isn't southern fried? <laughs> <laughs> no. You said country fried. I'm just saying it's southern fried. I mean, it, the Catholic influence in the, in the Northeast. I get that. Yeah. The, wow. All know, right. What, and what was the sampling size of this one? So this was 3,000 Americans. Okay. So a large sample yeah. uh, allows us to kind of go deep in a lot of different directions. Wow. Um, 
we see almost seven out of 10 saying God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. So, so this image, the majority of Americans, kind of a super majority saying we, they believe in the Trinity. They believe God can't make a mistake where they start to jump off of that. And the numbers drop really fast is when it comes into whether they make mistakes Uh, or whether we make mistakes. Um, because actually less than a quarter of Americans agree that even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. So they believe God can't make a mistake, but they don't believe God can't allow any sin in his presence, Okay, which is what eternal damnation is, which is anything with sin has got to be out of here. Yeah, right. Okay. So So there's this compartmentalization of, hey, I believe this is true, but that doesn't have any effect on the way that I live or or what I think. Or, but I do objectively yeah, think it's it, true. It's almost like the the cafeteria of I think this is true, but I don't think that's true. Oh, I'm not putting that on my plate. That. Yeah. Okay. And so so yes, on the God is great, God is good. Let's thank him for this food. <laughs> but we're not well, into the you know. Yeah. God is the only good. I mean, let's oh, be honest. I'm not good. Okay, yeah. Most of the people listening to this podcast, there's a decent little gap between knowledge and application mm. or or knowledge and what I – an actualization maybe yeah. um, of how it affects me and what I yeah. actually Like I shouldn't have gone life. back for thirds. You know, oh. right now it, ju- it was just Thanksgiving. I mean, we're a little bit of ahead in recording schedule. But I did <laughs> because it was really good. <laughs> yes. Um, as I was in, and this is really rough for me to say because my father-in-law does listen to this podcast. As I was in their basement where the Costco pie was, the Costco pumpkin pie, um, I noticed there was a slice missing and I was like, oh, snap. Somebody already broke the seal on that. I <laughs> am getting in on that too. And I was totally- Thanksgiving? No. This was the day before or something? This was, um, I think this was, it was prior to, I knew we were going to all be together as a meal. So I'm, for, at some point in time, I'm going to get a text for outing myself. But um, but no, like I have always heard, you know, hey, if you're hiding doing something, that's a good indication that it is sin or mm. it's wrong. Uh, and I totally hid the fact <laughs> that I went down and took us sampling out of that thing and ate it in secret uh, before moving forward. So I've confessed my sins before all. I My knowledge and application is now complete. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what else, what else, uh, you know, what, what, what does that state of theology look like here in America? Let me take that last point one step further because okay. we see that about two-thirds of Americans say that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So that element of what is good, and even okay. when Jesus was responding, when somebody says, good teacher, mm. and he says, only God is good, uh, we don't have quite that level of respect in America that yeah, okay. when we say good, that's a level of perfection that none of us ever hits. Mm. No, we'll, we'll, as soon as a kid messes up, we say, ah, oh, but he's a good kid. Our definition of good is completely different than God's, and and that that theology, yeah, um, as is a it, nation, but also as a church, is problematic. Do you think it's that whole idea that you know the imagery that we often have of a scale? And so, if the good outweighs the bad, then oh, that person's basically they're a good person. 
that's probably a good image for for how a lot of Americans are are looking at things because you know the the bad doesn't get too too heavy. So I think I've done enough good to to balance it or maybe even tilt it toward the good, um, because only the worst of the worst are in trouble in their relationship with God. Right. Another thing that came out in, the, in our research on, on theology is that six out of 10 Americans believe that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. Wow. And so if we're you not— the majority? Yeah, 60%. Oh. So, so if, if we're not talking about something that's true or false, <laughs> yeah. then really we're kind of saying, well, what, what do we agree on? Yeah. What do we— What's your opinion? Yeah, apparently we color? agree that there's a triune God, but we don't really. <laughs> but those are just labels. Let me describe matters. what that really means. In my opinion, what's your opinion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, that's the kind. We have a really squishy kind that of is. theology, wow. um, and 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 honestly, even in research, there's not too many surveys that we ask true false questions anymore because that's not a concept most Americans get. Really? Wow. That used to be a section on like every test in in, totally. in elementary school. Yeah, was the true false section. If any part of this is false, mark it false. And you so know you're looking in, for that one broader, thing that's off in research. That oh, even a, a, ask your kids if they yeah. have true false questions. So the on their absence test. of truth is like really a a real thing. It's not fake news. It, it, <laughs> We're a post truth. It, it's relative news. It has <laughs> how you, how it has left it the country. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Wow. Keep it going, man. I mean, this is fascinating. You know, another piece of theology is kind of how church fits into our relationship with God. And and we see that almost six out of 10 Americans agree that worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. So in other words, you can have a great relationship with God, again, making it up yourself Mm. without without church being a part of that. Mm. And... And totally missing kind of where God's heart is wow. for His people and how they should be relating to each other, um, and, and so there's a lot of these these aspects of who God is and our relationship with Him that when you start pulling those out one at a time, it's like, what are you left with? Yeah, yeah. It was what? So what are you left with? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Uh, the second question is, why is this important? But I think we're already there. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, for, for a lot of people, they can give some good answers to trivia questions about God right. and the Bible because yeah. it shows up in a crossword puzzle or it okay, shows yeah. up in Trivial Pursuit or something. Who beat Goliath. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but how does it really affect my life? It, it's feeling kind of empty. Okay. You know, it's feeling kind of like, well, what, how, how would that relate? Mm. And, and I think it, as a nation that's, be, that's acting much more secular— even though we still have a lot of euphemisms in our language that sound pretty Christian and f- sound biblical, it's just that mm-hmm. it's leftover, you, you know, jokes and 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 phrases that we've passed down yeah. rather than actually I know who God is yeah. and I, I I appreciate who He is and yeah. and and I praise Him for who He is and it's affecting all these aspects of my life. Yeah. That that's just absent from a yeah. lot of people. Man, that's that's fascinating. So at the time of this recording, uh, it, it's Monday, and yesterday I preached a message uh, at our church on the t- the sermon title was Southern Christianity 
versus biblical Christianity. And we were we were doing we were doing like this mini series on the red letters of Jesus and and the Lucan version of the Sermon on the Mount. So I started off the message with three phrases. The first one was money is the root of all evil. And I asked the entire congregation, how many of you have heard of this before? Is this biblical? And not everyone caught it, right? A lot of people were like, oh, yeah, 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 it is biblical because they've heard of it. People have taught it. And I was like, well, actually, the passage says the root, uh, (laughs) right? It's the love of money, right? It's not just money. It's the love. And they're like, oh. And then I said, you know, for how how many of you know the passage for I know the plans, you know, I have the the plans to prosper, not to harm you. And then I was like, is this biblical? And then I threw people for a loop. They're like, okay, I think that's biblical because I have a plaque of that in my brain. But is it is it worded the right way? <laughs> Wait a minute, only half of you've raised your hands. Come on. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then judge not and ye shall not be judged. Right. And I basically went through that because a lot of times there's this sense of, oh, I've heard about, you know, I've I've heard people talk about the Bible. I I kind of know what Christianity is, uh, but do I actually know? Do I actually live it out? So, I mean, is is that kind of what you're what what you found in people's theology here that there's this general understanding, but it begins washing out? Yeah, and 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 that our research on theology was really about that that those beliefs and that understanding of who God is, and so we weren't getting into practice very much at all. It, it, but it, it's it's do you understand enough to tell truth from heresy? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is really the question, and and kind of like in your sermon, you're. You're saying, you know, just change a couple words and everything changes. Yeah. Kind of like the serpent in the garden. Yeah. Ta- take it out of Eve. context. Change a couple words yeah. <laughs> and you miss God's intent. Yes. So um, I read a book over the weekend. Uh, it's not really a book. It was a, um, oh, maybe it takes like half hour, 45 minutes to read. Dorothy Sayers, The Lost Tools of Learning. Okay. You ever heard this? No. I've heard you talk oh. about this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth reading and rereading and rereading again. But um, if you read it, and you should, um, if you read it and you don't look at the public published date, you would you would think it was smack dab, you know, in our modern times. Mm. It was written in 1947. Nice. Wow. And she's talking about an age of, you know, we're in our educational system you know, we're beyond truth. Truth isn't really a thing anymore and blah, blah, blah. She's talking about, um, if you've heard me talk about cut flower culture before, that's in a sense where a lot of that comes from because it's to say, hey, you know, the Judeo-Christian ethic at which our judiciary system and everything else is based on is when it's no longer part of the warp and wolf of culture and a society, then why does it exist at all? What is justice? And we're seeing some of that now. Because when you think about um, truth and people are basically good people, well, they're basically good unless they've said this or unless they've done that. It doesn't matter if they said or did that 40 years ago. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If I even get accused of something, in one of, you know, pick three or four hot button issues right now. Either I've said something inappropriately, done something inappropriately. It is just a lightning rod and it yeah. doesn't matter, you know, if I lived a saintly life the last 
however many years if I said something or did something or even was accused of it back then. So, and it doesn't matter anymore um, what the reality is. If somebody has a good story, yeah. that's what matters the most. We like to simplify things. Like you were just talking about, I know they committed that thing years ago. So I'm going to simplify in my mind that person mm. that, 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 that they're bad, that, 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 and and so as we simplify things, you know, when we do that in theology, we're missing out on how great God is. Yeah. You know, God's asking us magnify who he is, not simplify. And and so when you do that, we if, if we try to simplify, we say, oh, God's loving or God is just. And it's like, no, he's 100 percent both. Mm, right. You know, and and it, and and. We've only talked about two of his characteristics. We have, you know, let's talk about his grace. Let's talk about, you know, all these aspects of who he is and how he relates to us. And that's a every other place in life we're trying to simplify and and make quick judgments about things, and 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 get into very uncivil arguments over things. And and our relationship with God is is different. And mm, and yeah. and our culture's lost a lot of its relationship skills, and I think that's showing in our relationship with God as well. Yeah. So so Scott, so so why is this important, right? I mean, what kind of motivated you to do the research? Give us kind of the why why you know you've been driving toward this. Yeah, we, we partnered with Ligonier Ministries on, on this study, and it's actually the third time we've we've completed this this survey uh, in 2014, 2016, and 2018. Mm-hmm. We've we've surveyed Americans trying to understand the state of theology, and and Ligonier um, has has a great heritage of investing in good doctrine, and and trying to equip the church with good doctrine and to to identify heresies and and you know. One of the one of the truths is that most of the heresies we deal with have been around since the beginning of the church. Yeah. So they have these really fancy names that I always forget. Um, Gnosticism. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and then they just come back around. And they come back around. They're and, 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 and they're <laughs> still here. We're still struggling with yeah. the same things. We're denying the same truths. Huh. And, and and so, uh, you know, so the importance is— it really is for the church and 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 for church leaders to be saying, how do we invest in good doctrine um, within our church? Because the truth is that the problems exist within the walls of the church mm. as well as when we talk about America, um, which includes a lot of people who are of other faiths and who really are disinterested in religion today. Yeah, and and don't you find that in churches as well, where there's there seems to be a resurgence and uh, more. I, I don't know, theological teaching or or rather than just having attractional, hey, we're just going to talk about the three keys to a better life or we're going to, and yeah, I mean, I think there are times in the calendar year when you can preach messages like that as long as it's rooted in scripture. Uh, but I think a lot of times I, I'm finding at least a lot more churches are wanting to address the tougher theological issues and work through that. I would agree. Yeah. Yet, but <laughs> I would say they're willing to do that from the pulpit. Yes, they're not necessarily willing to do that um, in their classes, in their uh, small groups, and whatnot. So, meaning that they should do it. Oh, in the other? totally. Okay, I, I totally think they should. Mm-hmm. I think what they've done, what we have done, um, is a lot of our seminaries will will put the preeminence on preaching, and that is it, it's. Hey, we should put a massive priority there. Mm. 
Um, but what we've done is we've said, you know, we've communicated, hey, a church is a community with a gifted pastor, not necessarily a community of gifted people. Without mm-hmm. saying that, um, people that are mature enough to handle these conversations and and walk through it, even though they haven't had, you know, this level of training, this level of insight, this level of study, we should be about equipping those people better and setting the expectation on their hire. Because the reality is when I hear it from the stage, that's awesome, but I still want to process it with someone if it's going to become actualized yeah, completely. in my life. So when we talked about the knowledge application gap, that's a critical part is being able to walk out of what was presented from the pulpit and be able to process that with another person. That is where I think you're going to have um, more result, a greater result. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's often, I think that's often missing, and that's one of the missing components that we have in our churches right now. Yeah, and, and 52 great sermons a year, the typical person isn't attending all those. And if that's all they're getting, if they're not involved in a small group Bible study, if they're not reading Scripture on their own, there's a there's only so much doctrine they're taking in in, in a year. And so uh, we've got to be encouraging people to be to, to be going beyond what happens just on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, but I would agree, Daniel, that that there is demand for more. If it's mm. just the superficial, they're kind of like, well, why am I here then? Mm. Um, I do want to know more. I want some depth and and. And, and digging deeper into Scripture and why we believe some of the things we believe, yeah. um, which usually takes you to more Scripture, mm. um, you know, is is something people are, are interested in. That's good. So what surprised you about this research? The so, Some of the things that we saw moving, I think, you know, as a researcher, when you do a survey and you do the same survey again, you actually don't expect things to move. Right. So you've done this three times since 2014. Yeah. So, you know, so, what are some of the things that are surprising and what trends have you noticed? So so the movement we're seeing that that kind of jumped out at me is uh, is actually beliefs about the Bible itself. Hmm. Um, we actually see, and they, they're not all heading in the same direction. We actually see both, both kind of views growing. Uh, we see that about an, a 6-7% jump um, in in people saying the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, wow. but is not literally true. That that's increasing. That's increasing. Wow. At the same time, we see about a seven percent increase in people who agree that the Bible's a hundred percent accurate in all it teaches. Hmm. Uh, so it's beginning to kind of both sides push people are into growing. one camp or the other. Yeah, it's becoming a very polar issue. And sure, there's some folks that somehow are saying yes to both those. Wow. But yeah. but for the most part, it's almost a 50-50 split down the down down the United States on on how we view the Bible. Is it truth or is it just some helpful literature? Yeah. Um and uh you know, and, and and in that mix is authority questions, and mm. and again, that's a split right down the middle. But um, but some growth in it at the same time, and so, uh, you know, so the Bible divide um, is one that, that that's absolutely critical, I think, for the future of the church in America, and uh, we expect it, it. It's not surprising then that even within this survey and others, where we see divides on moral issues, many of those are fifty fifty splits. Mm. And 
Uh, even some of those have moved slightly uh, in the years we've asked them, but things like abortion is a sin, 52% agree with that. That's That's gone up just a couple percent, but okay. but again, it's almost a 50-50 split. Something else that's kind of at the 50-50 mark is sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. Mm. Uh, that's grown 3%, but it's still 51%. It's yeah. right down the middle. Wow. Jefferson that um, basically made his own version of the Bible by cutting out the parts he didn't like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That was always fascinating to me. I mean, I think that's you know kind of what some of those people are probably doing right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, the parts that I like, absolutely 100 percent true. The parts that I don't like, eh, not so much. Yeah. You know, there's some great stories. Um, you know. I want you to treat me this way, so I like that verse. Mm. Um, you know those kinds of things. But when we actually say, you know, God actually had a plan for how we can live our lives. That's actually a wiser plan for our lives. Yeah. Um, are, are we actually willing to really understand that whole picture? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's what the Bible unfolds for us. Um, it, and in the context of a relationship with God, and and there's a lot of Americans that that are really split on that. And some of those folks that are split are are within the church. Wow. Are there any other other of those 50-50 splits that you noticed or that you found in the research? Or just anything else? Yeah. Well, that, one, of the, one, of the, one of the 50-50 splits um, is actually inside the church. Um, and uh, Thinking of those who have evangelical beliefs, um, yeah. believing in the authority of the Bible, believing Christ is the only way. Uh, among them, 52% are agreeing with that statement we mentioned earlier of everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So again, within the church, mm. the definition of good, uh, you know, and having a good nature versus a sinful nature, it's about half and half, yeah. actually understanding that difference. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that, that's pretty big. You know, other questions on sin, we, we see that same split within mm. the church. Yeah, I mean, that's a good transition because up until, I mean, even some of the morality issues or, or what our general culture feels and, and, and what they think and how they believe and, and uh, how they operate on all of this, I think this is very helpful as a church leader, as a leader to know. Uh, but a lot of our listeners are church leaders, right? So if we if we were to go off on some of this research that's talking about, hey, within the church, uh, what what else? I mean, what should churches do with this? Uh, what what's some of the research like the one that you just shared with us uh, about the, your definition of good? Uh, what are what are some other research points like that that churches should be aware of? We live in a nation that really has raised the value of tolerance to a really high level. Yeah. And in doing so, uh, it's one thing to be civil um, uh, with people who have differences from you, but there are real differences in religions. And and of those with evangelical beliefs, half agree that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, half? Ju- Judaism, Islam, half of evangelical beliefs. Those who have evangelical beliefs. Wow. They're saying Jesus is the only way, but God's accepting worship from us. It's incompatible. But yeah, how does that make sense? <laughs> it's present. It's tolerance. We're, yeah. we're not yeah, having yeah, that is. conversation. Oh and it's not a shout down conversation yeah. of, of we're right, they're wrong. It's let's understand who God is and the mm. worship he, he does accept. 
And, and I mean, there's stories of God not accepting someone's worship all the way back with Cain and Abel. Yeah. So these are not new things, huh. but, yeah, but are right. we going back and, and, and articulating that we're a one true God faith? <laughs> because that's how God describes himself. Mm-hmm. And he's a jealous God in that regard. Yeah. And, and, and really teaching some of those nuts and bolts. Um, you know, e- even basics of who Jesus Christ is. Um, we see that uh, that that there are about twenty percent of of churchgoers believe that Jesus was a created being, instead of understanding that Jesus was the one who created all. Yeah. Um, wow. He and so suddenly all the characteristics of who Jesus is and who we're relying on for our salvation doesn't quite plug into the source if if you're saying he's not fully divine and always existed. Wow. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being a force and yeah. not not a, having a real uh, personal uh, nature. Um, we see that, that the majority, 57% of people with evangelical beliefs are really denying who the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. What? Oh man. So these are these are critical things <laughs> yeah, of folks are. within the church who are saying they're believers, saying the Bible has authority in their lives, saying Jesus is the one they're following, yeah. but really not understanding the theological relationship we have with God and who he really is. Mm. And if if imagine if if I don't know. Catch. I hope you catch the the upside of this, not mm-hmm. just the downside. But the upside is: imagine if in your congregation, you could help people catch a glimpse of who God really is yeah. and the relationship He really wants with us. That's got to be so contagious. Mm. That's got to be so uh, invigorating to a congregation if we could just catch a glimpse of that. I'm sharing this with our entire church staff, and <laughs> okay. This is, yeah. So, uh, forgive me for a moment, but I did Google while we were talking because I was like, I know when I was at Monticello, I heard you know them say Jefferson had his own Bible. Well, let me just tell you, here's what he did: 1804, while he's president, he takes a book that everybody at that time considers sacred, which is the Bible. And he takes an open uh, manuscript and he takes a razor and cuts out the parts of the Bible that he believes are real and discards the rest. And he writes uh, to John Adams, um, the worthy parts of the Bible were easily distinguishable from the worthless as uh, diamonds in a dunghill. Then 1820, he buys six Bibles um, and does the same thing, and he edits it into a new book that he has bound called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. So the interesting thing is he keeps some of the words of Jesus and some of the things he did, but he leaves out all the miracles and any suggestions that Jesus is God. The virgin birth is gone. Walking on water is gone. Jefferson ends with Jesus' burial on Good Friday. No resurrection, no Easter Sunday, and he calls it the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth, which, hey, by the way, this, you can buy on Amazon. Is this the Bible that the that the church in China uses? I have no because, idea. No, because not the underground church, but the official state church, because that's what they've done to the Bible. There, you can have an official Bible, but they've they've basically castrated 
all of the power of Jesus. And honestly, to yeah. do that well is really hard because over and over <laughs> oh, again in the no Gospels, joke. Jesus proved he was God. Yeah. Well, and, and and granted, he didn't say it in, in, in as sound bites. He wasn't trying to be a Twitter God. Mm. You know, he was he was being the real thing. And and so it'd be really hard to do. I mean, I know Jefferson cut out the book of Jonah, but but keep in mind that Jesus talked about the sign of Jonah. You know, and and so he'd have to cut. You know, you'd have to carry cut out yeah, all those. He was really have to picture, know the Bible in yeah. order to do it well. Right? I'm looking at a picture of uh, of it of one of his Bibles on display at the Smithsonian, and it is. I mean, you know, there's two full pages and like very little cut out of it. So apparently, he's very much created a. Uh, wow, fascinating! It, it is fascinating, but that's effectively. I bring that up not to be uh, like run a complete rabbit on you. I'm just saying, effectively, as appalling as that sounds to us, that's effectively what we've mm, done. Exactly when we do Ouch. what you've just decided. I mean, what you've just wow. uh, you just said Americans are doing. They would, I guarantee you. Be appalled or maybe offended if we talked about oh, you know let me let me take your Bible and cut out the pieces of it, pieces of it that you believe or don't believe. But okay. that's what we've effectively done. All right. So number one, share this with your entire church staff. <laughs> right. Number two, text the word research to triple eight triple one to download this research. And after listening to the podcast, do it for your next staff meeting. Uh, send it to your pastors. Look through, listen to it, read through the research, and then have a discussion. Hey, what are we, how would our church answer these questions? When is the last time we've talked about these theological concepts, not only from the pulpit, but do we have classes? Maybe even come up oh. with seminars and classes, have small group curriculum. I mean, do your small group leaders agree with Yeah, that? do your small group leaders know this? Yes. That's the big thing. I mean, so. Yeah, <laughs> and and since I mean we work at, a, at at an organization that that builds curriculum, and and one of the things our 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 curriculum editors are doing is they're spending time making sure that they're cycling through key doctrines mm. um, over time, so that you're not going to go three years without understanding the deity of Christ. You're you know you're not you're not going to have those gaps. Um, obviously, people aren't there every week. They, you know they can miss some of these things, but at the same time, you got to know that your church has an intentional strategy and you're using resources totally. with an intentional strategy to, to be, you know, filling these gaps that, that can emerge really quickly. There's yeah. a reason why we talk about scope and sequence all the time, whether we're talking about discipleship or development, and that's that very reason. Yes. That's awesome. All right. Well, Scott, any last words of encouragement? Yeah, or, we need some encouragement. Or maybe you need to be aware of this. Let's go back to that 7 out of 10 people. Think that... The Trinity is legit. You know, it's interesting that, you know, some of the spots where they do, ha where, where Americans have correct theology, you know, two-thirds believing in the physical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those are places to start conversations. I think that's great. So we can start conversations there and say, can I tell you a little more about who he was mm. and what he taught? And can you be that person in in, in non-believers' lives that just— has another nugget of truth about who Jesus is every time they meet you. Building that. on that foundation, I think, is really important versus, you know, coming at it from the from the other end, yeah. um, starting with those controversial things and moving backward. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening in. Scott, we always appreciate it when you join us here and, and we're always striving for our listeners to provide you with great interviews as, all, as well as great research. So hopefully this is going to help you in your leadership, in your church and in the marketplace and wherever you're leading. Now, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, be sure to listen to The One Thing Podcast. Uh, this is co-hosted by Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna, our our mates from down under. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just because I really want to speak Australian. But I get. <laughs> our mates from down under. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Okay. Anyway, so the One Thing podcast, the cool thing about this one is that they're actually exploring crucial ministry topics that are relevant to your context. So, How many things do they talk about, Daniel? One thing <laughs> in, oh, each, in each podcast. Oh, that's not I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so one practical gospel-centered idea for your ministry. So whether you're a ministry worker or ministry-minded and you want to learn from the Australian context, this podcast is for you. So be sure to look up The One Thing in your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. And we'll catch you next week.